0: Hey guys, and welcome to the first episode of Little Nets Podcast. Yay! You guessed it, it's your host, Maya Spencer. Um, And yeah, I'm so sorry that this episode is super late. I don't know what possessed me to put 2 p.m. on that flyer, but just know that I probably was in, like, one of those productive moves, like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really do this this time, and (laughs) the laziness caught up with me, um, yeah, so definitely downloading this super late, but either way, you know, it happens, we're gonna move on, so, um, our first segment is a uh, happy hour, so grab your drinks, let's get into it. Um, I have my coffee because <laughs> I am a loony person, Um, because it's 11 o'clock at night and I'm drinking coffee, what is wrong with me? But um, yeah, happy hour is basically where we discuss um, pop culture topics, you know, the world on the streets, yada, yada, yada. So my first topic is Surprisingly enough, Nick Cannon. <laughs> what did he do to you ask to get on this list because he's fucking irrelevant? Well, um him and his girlfriend Britney Bell welcomed a new baby girl into their life. Um now that normally would not be news and normally no one would give a rat's ass. However, why they named this baby Powerful Queen? <laughs> Powerful Queen Cannon. When, when, when did we get, When did we get here? I just want to know, when did we stop taking the time to name our children? As a, a whole generation. Like, I, my, my kid's going to come home and be like, yeah, I made friends today at school. I'm like, oh, what's your friend's name? Applesauce packet and ketchup mustard? I'm going to be like, okay. Okay. Um. <laughs> I'm so convinced that people are just literally like in the delivery room, like fuck. Okay, they asked us what the baby name is. Quick, 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 quick. Uh, we're gonna go with Kleenex tissue. Kleenex tissue for three hundred, Alex. Like, what is wrong with y'all? <laughs> like, you know, I I understand. Like, you know, we're trying to be creative. You know, that's cool or whatever. But power for queen, bruh powerful queen is this girl's name why not i, I would just rather queen like queen canon that would have been okay i guess like but the powerful part is just like sending me for real for real um i hope she don't go to public school that's all i'm gonna say because <laughs> child all right and then so moving on Next is Sarah Culberson. Um, So this young lady was adopted um, at the age of one by a white family. She's a black girl. And I guess at the age of 28, she was like, you know what? I want to know where I come from. And talking about finding the fucking pot at the end of the rainbow, she found out that she's freaking royalty. Like, what? this is literally what I imagine. like, if I did 23andMe, like, this is what I, this is the best outcome that I could probably possibly have, like, you know, you, you do 23andMe, you find your, your heritage background, you go visit, and they're like, oh, it's the return of our lost, long-lost princess, the line of a lost lineage, like, girl, (laughs) do you know, do you know how hype I would be, like, Just, truly, I just wanted to, like, know what was going through her mind, like, when she got that phone call from um, her uncle and was like, yeah, bro, you're a princess. Congratulations. <laughs> now, come rule this country because this tore the fuck up. Um, she was basically saying, like, I think she wrote a book. Yeah, she wrote a book um, basically, like, explaining, like... um you know, her experience visiting a country for the first time because, um, oh, by the way, it's, she's African royalty um, for the, I'm about to murder this, I'm pretty sure, it for the Mindy tribe in bumpy Sierra Leone. <laughs> I, I don't know if I said that right. I'm so sorry. Um, which, fun fact, uh, is one of the largest uh, the, one of the two largest ethnic groups in Sierra Leone, accounting for 33.2% of the country's population. So, you know, she's a pretty big deal then. Um, but yeah, so she was saying basically how like, you know, um, while there had been like two years of peace in Sierra Leone, like, you know, there was still clear signs of a war torn country because, you know, they just had like a civil war or something um, to that magnitude um and she was saying how you know there were a lot of kids walking around with missing limbs and like you know people just seemed like they were on edge you know like even though it had been peaceful in the country for two years like people were still like very untrustworthy like they were like i have seen some shit basically so um and she like really took to the role of being a princess like she started some education programs and you know, she's been in and out of the country trying to like do her best to fulfill her duty as a princess princess. She said she took it very seriously. Um, not quite, you know, the Disney story that we were probably thinking about, like, you know, like she just came into some money. That's not the case. <laughs> um, but you know, okay. That's all right. <laughs> It's like, at least she's like doing, actually doing something productive in the country. Like, um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people may have been in it for like the money or whatever, but like she was generally interested in helping her people and stuff like that. But I think the funniest thing about this was like, as I was reading the article and scrolling down and looking at the pictures, that she had her white adoptive family there with her. And it was just, (laughs) it was giving like real, like missionary trip vibes, you know, like, it was. I know that's not what was going on, but it was just funny to me. Because um, white people love taking pictures in Africa, like strangely enough, right? Um, but congratulations to her for you know finding out her lineage and you know getting up with her um, real family and stuff like that. Um, I'm. It didn't. The article didn't say, but I'm really curious as to how she even like got to the states, you know. But question for another dime. All right, moving on. We're going to talk about, so Nashville um, prayers up to them because some very, very crazy white terrorist um, named Anthony Warner decided to blow himself up in a whole fucking block. Like, like, bruh, I am so sick of this narrative, like of them of the you know you know how the media does so they you know a white person does some crazy shit and they're just like oh well white people don't usually do crazy shit so we should probably explain our way out of this right like no literally white people have a history of doing crazy shit since the beginning of time like you know what's the craziest shit y'all have done it's take niggas from their country and make them work for free like that's crazy like what and then trick them into thinking that, like, hey, this is your fault. It's not us. Like, it's not our fault that we're the, the best race on this fucking planet. Or like, you know how crazy you got to be to think that? So, you know. But, you know, what's really, like, I would say bone chilling about this story is not the fact that this nigga blew up a whole block. Um, and also, thankfully, he was the only one killed. So, <laughs> Great one less crazy white person on the planet earth. But um, so apparently his girlfriend um told Nashville cops, August 21st, 2019, this is last year, that he was building bombs in his RV trailer at his residence. So the city cops passed tips off to the FBI and the ATF. But apparently when the authorities showed up at their door, no one answered and they just, said fuck it all right <laughs> like they just went on about their life like um they did have they did put in a request to search the the property but it was denied which i think is absolutely insane the fact that it was denied you know because like okay you have a i feel like the girlfriend who lives with him is that not a viable enough tip to like like hey i'm literally watching this man make bombs like y'all need to come get him like like <laughs> And to be honest, arrest her too, because I mean, I know she can't like stop this man from making bombs, but girl, get your camera out. Take some pictures, send some evidence. That could have helped a great deal. Like (laughs) to get this, um, this, you know, search warrant or something like that. And so the, The news article goes on to say, basically, that Warren's bomb bomb making then continued unhindered until Christmas morning when he detonated, you know, the bomb and, you know, leveled out uh, a piece of downtown Nashville, right? What? (laughs) Oh, I mean, the thing that is, I feel like, so infuriating also about this this whole story is the fact that, like, when you really think about it, okay, so you go back to Breonna Taylor's story, you know, and we've unpacked this a million times, but to parallel it to this story just makes me even angrier because you mean to tell me... (laughs) You mean to freaking tell me that you can get a tip that a motherfucker is making a bomb and you can't get a search warrant for that and you just you know you they don't answer the door you just like okay well we tried our best i mean that's the best that we can do but you go to the wrong the wrong motherfucking house bust they shit open bust down with the fucking chopper like literally makes that motherfucker sing Ave Maria, kills an innocent black woman. woman, And that's just like, these, these people get off just scot-free. Like, this literally doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it's just so infuriating, like how America is really set up. Like the process for this white man who just, <laughs> just was allowed to make bombs for a fucking year as opposed to this black woman who was sleeping in her own bed, and was shot up for no reason, like. Oh. <sighs> <sighs> and on that note, <laughs> we're gonna move on because I I could go on on and on about these parallels because this country is just so incredibly messed up. Um, anyway, all right, but next topic, show me the money. I don't know about um, you guys, but um, the stimulus checks are hitting, boop. Now, they might be $600, but that's $600 more than I had yesterday, i tell you that. <laughs> um, Because I was, it's funny because Initially, I had set this this whole segment up to literally rip McConnell a new one, which, if you don't know, is a, a U.S. senator, but who is stopping you know the stimulus checks from being like we should have been got this shit first off. But um, the six hundred ones are authorized, but he is stopping the ones from being authorized for the two grand, um, and but yeah. I'm still going to rip him a new one because, you know, <laughs> oh, by, what, by the way, LLC Twitter is going crazy right now. They're going up right now, bro. Like, <laughs> bro, I read this tweet. This nigga was like, I would rather get the $600 stimulus check than the $2,000 stimulus check because it's going to make me work harder. I guess I'm built different. Yeah, you built different all right. You built goofy as hell. You built like a goddamn uh gaming system without the fucking memory chip, bitch. You can only do so much. <laughs> like <laughs> Sir, do you know how crazy you sound right now? Shut up. <laughs> like, but I'm just tired of once again tired of white men in positions of power who don't need this fucking money, making decisions for people who need the fucking money. Like, that's it's such an old story and it's so played out. Like, I'm so for okay, they say there has there's a, a minimum age requirement to be, you know, to run for office, whatever, whatever. There should be a maximum age. Like, we need to cut this shit off at like 60, 55, even. You only got 20 years to be relevant. Um, because you you no longer are. I feel like as a part of the previous generation, how can you have the future generations' consideration like in mind? Truly and honestly, like how can you really say that like you're trying your best for America when like your traditions don't even match the level of society anymore? Like it doesn't doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, back to McConnell's ass. Um, <laughs> specifically bro I just I don't understand this man like how are, first of all he looks like a fucking Muppet like you he literally looks like you could just stick his hand and like someone's moving his mouth for him like you just look up a picture of him as I'm about to roast this man because <laughs> this is gonna make this shit much funnier. Like, if you don't know what he looks like, please Google that shit. Matter of fact, Google his hand too, because that that motherfucker is more famous than he is. Like, his hand literally looks like it's rotting off. Like, um, I'm like, his hand has COVID, but he doesn't. Like. People on Twitter, was he's a reanimated corpse. Like, bro, I'm going to go a step farther. It, he literally is like a, just a flesh sack. There's an alien in him somewhere. Like, they just put it on and was like, we're about to fuck this civilization up. Like, <laughs> that, it literally looks like he just, like, I, <laughs> like he's not human. Why is this man with a rotting hand deciding what the fuck we should be getting? Doesn't make any sense. And then on top of that, He's talking about um, the Republicans aren't going to go for the 2K because they are worried about the national debt. You mean the $27 trillion that America's in debt and counting every second? Um, Do me a favor. Google U.S. national debt. There's a fucking website. You can click that and it literally shows you in real time what the national debt is. All you gonna do is watch that shit go up, (laughs) like, (laughs) yo. So when it comes to literally making sure that the people that you govern, that we, that you, that that the whole purpose of your job is to help. When it comes to us, y'all don't want to give us two thousand (laughs) dollars. When you, there's other countries that have shown that it is possible. Canada is giving their people $2,000 a month since COVID started. Like, <laughs> I am so fucking sick. Like, <sighs> talking about the national debt. How you worried about the national debt? And <laughs> And the fucking fucking New York City Police Department got Teslas. Nigga, what? (laughs) Or some police department. I'm pretty sure it was NYC, but just in case not, disclaimer, one of them got Teslas. Now, I'm not saying that Teslas are, like, a hyper expensive car, but, like, y'all got money to do that, but y'all can't run us a check. I'm like, bro, this is an insult. Like, yes, I firmly will take the $600. But do we deserve more? Absolutely. This country is showing us over and over again. And then on top of that, like, okay, so COVID has, is showing, I guess, I guess it's showing white people how truly fucked up this country is. Because black people and other marginalized uh, people have been new. You know, we know, we live this shit every day but I'm glad that they're getting a good taste of it. <laughs> being just like fucked over because this is literally where we live. And and we're disproportionately being affected by COVID as well on top of being uh, possibly uh, some of us being unemployed. Some of us uh, getting COVID, uh, some of us having to still work and being hyper exposed to COVID. Matter of fact, I got COVID twice this year. It had nothing to do with my job, but still. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at that because unfortunately, uh, you know, over 300,000 people in the U.S. alone have died from COVID. God rest their souls. And right now the government is stomping on their goddamn graves. And that's mad disrespectful. So I'm going to let them have it, you know, because it's okay. One more misstep, and I guarantee you we're burning this motherfucker down. Like, it's just, it's getting, it's, it's getting real ghetto at this point. Like, it's been ghetto, but it's getting even more ghetto at this point. <sighs> and on that note, I'm going to take a coffee break. <laughs> and I'll be right back with our main topic. All right, guys, and we are back. Um, So my main topic for this episode is the industry of anti-racism. And it was inspired basically by this article that I read by Elle Magazine. It's titled, just in case you want to look it up, The Big Business of Being an Ally. Um, And it's by Carrie Batten, Batten, maybe, who is a white woman. However, she snapped. She, she did a good job writing this article, and it's mostly based around um, these two uh, Black women, Chrissy Rutherford and Danielle Prescott, um, who are fashion and beauty experts and influencers. Um, they have a large following on Instagram. You know, they have their own brands, and they're very respected in their fields. Um, and it was basically, like, discussing... Um, how you know Rutherford and Prescott? How they um, monetized uh, um, anti-racism, like in the wake of George Floyd's death, um, Rutherford was saying how um, she had to take a, a you know a few days, like it was like physically bearing down on her um, that someone you know of her same skin tone was killed for, by police for no reason, you know? Um, as it it affected a lot of, well, I would say all Black people, but some of them are coons, so we're gonna let that go. But it affected a lot of us, like mentally and physically, because we as Black people are very, very tired of police getting away with brutal murder, like they're murderers at this point. Um, and, um. She was saying how a lot of the other people in her field uh ba- other white people basically were hitting her up um you know about what they should do for social media like basically asking for her help um and explaining like different things in regards to anti racism like should i post this like is it okay if i say that you know whatever whatever and she was getting into a conversation with uh, Miss Prescott about that, and Miss Prescott was also getting like a lot of, um, uh, a lot of um, requests from her other, you know, white counterparts in the same field as well. And so these two young ladies decided to get it together and, in a more formal way, they started this business called Two um, BG, which is Two Black Girls, where. They, um, um, let me break this down. Let me pull up the article. Well, where they basically hold an anti-racist seminar each week and they charge niggas for it. (laughs) Yo, when I tell you that these Black women are doing the Lord's work with these white people because it could not be me. Like, I mean, I'm just happy because there's no way that I'm going to sit here and explain anti-racism to white people when they're the one that created racism. Like, I, I just don't, I don't get what's not to get. Like, I'm really confused on how white people are confused like, how do you not know what is and is not racist for some shit that you created? Put a pin in that, we'll come back to it. But I'm just glad that these black women are getting their coin off of them because, I mean, they're doing, they're doing, like I said, the Lord's work. <laughs> um. So I'm going to read a bit of this article um, just to give you an idea of what they were offering because this is absolutely, they were really in it to win it, to put it that way. All right. So uh, within a week of Rutherford posting her viral anti-racist video, she and Prescott had their first brand clients. Soon they launched a weekly anti-racist seminar geared towards fashion and beauty influencers for $300, a third of which is donated to a black charity. An influencer could participate in a two hour Zoom call that was part race studies class, part consciousness raising course and part career coaching session. Um, It was, and Rutherford says, it was very much tailored to influencer space, essentially showing them how they have benefited from and upheld the standards of white supremacy. I was like, girl, (laughs) they was really giving it to them. So um, each session, that they offer is divided into two parts. The first, there's an hour long presentation about race and anti-racism. Um, and the second hour is a and A during which participants participants are invited to ask everything from broad theoretical concerns about race to tactical and target uh, queries about social media. Uh And so she said, like, they would get questions about, like, how do I apologize without making it about myself? How do I navigate this and balance my normal content with activist content? I just want to read that again because this totally sounds like something a white person would say. How do I apologize without making it about myself? How do I navigate this, balance my normal content with my activist content? First of all, boot, if you're trying to be anti-racist, your normal content should be activist content. <laughs> like, girl, there's no difference. Like, you shouldn't be just sprinkling a little bit of activism on top of your shit that you do like. Um, if you're truly trying to be a good ally, like, you need to incorporate as uh, and give highlights to as many black, black creators as you can, especially the ones that y'all be stealing from. Like, girl. Um And... Also, if you do take their idea and your idea, I mean, mean, if you do take their idea and you get more feedback and more money based off of their idea, you need to cut them their coin. That's another way you can be (laughs) anti-racist. Tell you that right now. Run these black creators their coin. Um, But I, despite me, you know, being against doing the work that could be easily uh, looked up by white people, like I'm not gonna sit here and explain to you what uh, being accountable as a white person is. Um, however, I am very happy that these two um, black women decided to do this because I think it is really, like, really, really helpful for the industry. And um, I mean, I feel like it's low key speaking to white fragility, but I mean, I guess. To a certain degree, you have to um, be a little nice in order for you know white people to come out their shell in order to truly like you know I would say absorb the information that you're trying to give them. Um, and I just really liked like the the breakdown of their key terms, um, which was there's like five of them microaggressions spiritual bypassing, tone policing, white savior complex, and performative allyship. So um, microaggressions is when internal bias reveals itself in subtle ways, like when, say, people of color are complimented for speaking perfect English, um, which is insulting, basically. I'm like, are you mad because Black people are bilingual? Speak abonics and English? Like what? (laughs) oh so you're mad okay great um and then spiritual bypassing which is using notions like we're all one human race to avoid doing the real work of dismantling systematic racism um yes we are indeed one race however (laughs) let's not fucking act like you guys literally treat us like trash (laughs) like (laughs) historically as well as well as presently and modern-day society. quote. I was to say, quote-unquote, modern-day society. I, I feel like we're not even in modern-day society. Um, tone policing, which is criticizing or um, invalidating arguments if they are not delivered in the, quote-unquote, right gentle tone rather than addressing the substance, which, again, I feel like is a part of white fragility. Like, uh, I I mean, white women playing the victim is, like, one of... <laughs> I feel like really totally linked to this because I've been in a predicament before, like where how I was talking to a white person about race, like they felt really hit, like, and they basically went on to be like, Oh, um, you guys are ganging up on me because I'm the only white person here. And I was like, girl, that's not the case. You're just fucking wrong. Like <laughs> you, you're talking about shit that you don't know anything about. And we're just trying to tell you like, I'm sorry that you feel that way. However, no, actually I'm not even sorry that you feel that way cause you shouldn't feel that way. But <sighs> I really do hate like, and then tone policing also, I feel like spans out into like, uh, for instance, like with the black lives matter movement, Um, about white people basically policing us in that fact. Like, oh, black lives matter. But you mean all lives matter. Like, what is this? Like, oh, or or basically saying that, you know, we're going about it the wrong way. Like, how are you going to police us about some shit that we're going through? Like shut the fuck up and listen for once. Like stop criticizing us about something that you're not going through. Like, what What is there not to get about that? I really, anyway. <laughs> um, and then the white savior complex, which is a white person who provides help to non-white people in a self-serving manner. For example, when white people are, uh, white people on vacation post photos on social media posing with impoverished orphans of different races. Uh, calling all church missions calling all church missions, please come to the front and (laughs) get this notice because I'm so tired. Like, I mean, it's cool, I guess, that you're helping people. But like, if you're posting about it on um, Instagram, like, oh, this trip truly changed my outlook on life. And I'm just like, so in awe and so grateful for what I have after this trip. Just seeing people who had nothing. Like, bitch, you been knew that people had fucking nothing. Like, this is not nothing new. Like, we know that people are starving to death. We know that there's homeless people in the world. You did not have to go to Africa and pose with orphans to see that. Ah, you could have Googled it, boo. Um, <laughs> so, you know doing it for their own benefit. Uh, and last but not least, performative allyship, which is taking actions to uphold your own social capital rather than a cause from posting a black box on Instagram without doing further anti-racism work to using black people as uh virtue signaling props and photos, AKA using your one black friend to justify any fucking thing that you say. Like, no. Um, Cause the last thing I will be for someone is their black friend. Like I, but in any, in, in any hoots, like if, if there's white people listening to this now, if you learned nothing from this, it is that, um, and I would like to bring up one of my favorite country sayings, a hit dog will holler. Therefore, if you are not racist, don't holler if someone calls you racist. Like <laughs> don't see them say like, "Oh, she's talking about white people. She's so racist." Like ooh, ooh, ooh. like no, you're racist for thinking that what I'm saying is racist. Like I said, a hit dog will holler, and you're howling right now. Um, but yeah. Um, and anywho, um, in closing, I'm just proud of every single Black person this year that has made it through this year, because on top of racism, on top, especially Black women, on top of sexism, on especially dark-skinned Black women, on top of colorism, on top of all of these things, COVID, uh, the unemployment shooting up, uh, all this crazy shit happening this year, like we love so many um, black figures in our community like um, you, we've made it <laughs> we have made it I'm so so proud to say that we've made it um I hope you guys enjoy your new year's um, get turned I'm gonna be turned because. Literally, the fact that if we've made it to 2021, I'm just thinking God, and you think you're higher being. If you don't have one, thank yourself because everyone, somebody deserves a pat on the back for this year. It's been absolutely insane. Um, anywho, uh, I look forward to uh, speaking to you guys again. Um, I can't promise that the next episode will be on time, but I'm gonna try my best. <laughs> Anywho, signing out. Have a good day.